I literally saw my eyes. I have very piercing blue eyes. And it was like looking in the mirror. I looked at him and I looked in the mirror and I was completely shocked. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 147. Today I am speaking with Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Hi. Thank you for doing this with me today. Oh, thank you for the invite. I know as we were setting up, you said there's potentially been some resolution or some new things happening this week. So I'm I'm glad that we're getting to be able to listen to your story today. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to share it. So let's go ahead and get right into it today. Uh, let's start with a little bit of your family background and if you could talk about your family of origin and we will take it from there. Okay. Um, well, I'm from Virginia. I'm from the Portsmouth area of Virginia. I live in Florida. Um, I was raised there and moved to uh, Spain in my early 20s and then to Florida. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's where I'm from. And I've lived in Florida now for, gosh, I'm 50 years old now. So I've lived here for about almost 30 years. <laughs> Were you raised with uh, your parents? Do you have any siblings? So my story is extremely complicated and it does, it's hard to answer questions like that because it is so confusing. Um, my mother, uh, I guess I would consider her as far as raising me a single mom. Um, she and my birth certificate father were only married for a couple of years and he later had two sons and married. He had married my stepmom who had two other sons and my mom married a guy who had three sons. So I have a half brothers who I thought were my half brothers. And then I had stepbrothers, never any sister. So it was complicated to begin with before I even did the NP test. I mean, the uh, DNA test. Yep. Yes, a whole I, bunch of brothers. I get it. And some I had that- a lot of brothers. I was the only girl. I actually felt like I was kind of spoiled um, being the only girl. I spent, I lived with my mom. Um, Unfortunately, I will just go ahead and dive into that. She suffered from bipolarism. Um, It was very complicated, toxic relationship at times. So I did have my aunt and my uncle who were very much involved in raising me. We lived with them quite a bit. Um, I saw my birth certificate father on the weekends. Um, So I I was raised by a village. (laughs) Yeah. Did you say you're, um, you had a stepdad as well? Yeah, my mom married three times in total. Um, my mom, uh, her first husband was my birth certificate father. She then married another guy who um, 
was my first stepdad. He was abusive and I have a lot of trauma from that. And then she married the third husband who had the three sons and they had a pretty decent relationship. There was no like major abuse. I mean, they weren't, you know, like perfect or anything, but um, they had more respect for each other and stronger boundaries than the abuse I had witnessed as a child. And they got married when I was about uh, 13 and I decided being a little 13 year old and all of a sudden this guy's bringing his three sons because that mother wasn't really involved um, to my house and being with my mom, you know, living with her alone for 13, 14 years, I just didn't want to be, or, you know, we were in and out. We moved a lot. We were in and out of family homes or our own apartments. We moved constantly. So when she did meet the stepfather, the third husband, and the boys moved in. I moved out. I moved in with my aunt and uncle. I also lived with my birth certificate father through high school as well. So it was a lot of inconsistently inconsistent, um, no real security, no stability growing up. It was it was very difficult, very challenging childhood. Mm. I'm sorry. It sounds like it. Yeah, there was. As far as any type of abuse, I. My mom was mentally and verbally abusive, um, but she was never physically abusive to me. And I've never been physically abused, but um, there was some um, sexual abuse um, from one of her boyfriends. And so the inconsistency and the um, trauma from my childhood has been an, an ongoing, everlasting, you know, attempt to heal. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Did you, as a child, ever suspect that your birth certificate father wasn't your dad? So my mom was habitual. She was a habitual liar. She had a lot of downfalls as a mother, but she was also, I don't know if it's a bipolar thing, but very loving, very um, warm at most of the time. And she was very, very, very co- I mean, like close to me. She had a very codependent relationship with me. Um, so as far as suspected um, that my birth certificate father wasn't my dad, the thing was um, people would make comments that didn't look anything like him. And I don't, he's a tie-in. I thought it was a tie-in. Uh, I'm full British Irish. Uh, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, very light skin. Um, he has, you know, darker features as far as like brown eyes, dark hair, you know, more olive skin tone. Um, so there was a lot of people joking around as a child that I was a milkman's baby. (laughs) And my mom always swore that I never like directly asked her. I just would joke around with her like, wow, mom, I don't look anything like my dad. And she's just like, well, he's definitely your father. You know, that's your dad. You know, you're just like him. You're just like your father. And it just convinced me to convince myself that I looked somewhat like him and that he was my father. And what was your relationship like with your birth certificate father? So I was told, and also I I saw pictures that I visited with him um, quite a bit before I was five years old. But again, that environment with my stepmom and my father, my birth certificate father, 
uh, was toxic. Um, it was an ongoing, you know, I don't know. I guess things were so much different in the seventies and eighties. And I don't know if there was a sense of some sort of acceptance, but it seemed normal to me that there was abuse. I didn't, and that's not normal. I, I mean, that's awful. It's terrible, but I felt like this is how it is, you know? And so I witnessed things at his house and my mom, I guess I told my mom cause I was really young and she stopped these visitations um, when I was about five years old, five, six years old. I don't really recall. I just recall little images. Don't recall much about visiting with him at that age. And then cause he was in the Navy and he was out to sea a lot. He, um, he, he basically spent most of his Navy career out to sea. Um, I, my mom, which is ridiculous. My mom found him when I was 11. Um, and she started asking for child support. Um, I guess we, they lived in the same area. So it was one of my aunts ran into him at the grocery store and she wanted me to reconnect with my father since I was 11 years old and, you know, very impressionable. So I started visiting with him when I was 11 years old and him and my stepmom and my two um, half brothers, which is confusing because they're not really my half brothers. I visited with them a lot on the weekends and we actually had a really good time. Most of the time there was, you know, some, a lot of drinking and abuse, but there were a lot of times where we would do things cause he had more income than my mom that my mom wasn't able to provide for me, like going camping, you know, just going and out to eat. Like I had never been to a steakhouse and my dad took me to a steakhouse and he bought me my first bike and he provided the financial support um, that my mom wasn't able to do for me or she chose not to. And in a way I feel it was conniving because she never mentioned that there was any possibility he wasn't my father. And to kind of, I guess, milk this man of money, <laughs> which just like makes no sense to me. Uh, I think, I don't know what she was thinking, to be honest, but he provided a lot of nice privileges that I didn't have from my mom. And I've always had a very good relationship with him to this day. Mm. Then at some point you even, did you live with him when you were a teen? Yeah. When I was a teen, a lot of the drinking and the abuse stopped. I've had to work through a lot of therapy when it came to that. So when I say I have, I've always had a good relationship with him. It was honestly, the abuse was both my stepmom and my, and my father were abusing each other. So um, the things I witnessed wasn't just my father doing things, you know, like to her, it was both of them. And to be honest, it was mostly my stepmom. <laughs> um, mm. So I, I would say that we've always kind of been close and I forgave him you know, when it came to those things. And um, I did live with him. And by that point, when I was a teenager, a lot of the um, trauma stopped happening. So, you know, it was it was kind of a nice thing to live with them when I was a teenager. Yeah. yeah. And you said your aunt and uncle as well helped. Yes. Raise you. flipped all around. It just doesn't, it's, it doesn't make any sense because I just would go from one house to the other. And that was actually it. 
established a personality trait in me where I do like to run from things when things get too difficult. Um, that's my natural um, response is to run from it. And so I would jump around if things got a little tough at my dad's, I'd go live with my aunt. If things got tough at my mom's, I would tell her I was running away when I was young. How was your relationship or how was your relationship with your mom as you started to get older? Well, um, we had a very codependent relationship. Um, I was very close to her. Uh, My mom passed away three years ago. Um, She was, she smoked cigarettes and that's what killed her. She was on an oxygen tank, oxygen tank for a couple of years. And she just, I couldn't, I would try to save her. I did a lot to try to save her. We were very, very close. We spoke every single day. Um, She carried a lot of sadness with her. And I was always the person that tried to make her feel happy to try to bring joy to her life. And because my childhood was so challenging and difficult. Um, I know my mom never really had much in life. She never really was able to do many things. And I will say that the happy ending at this point in my life, I've had a very, very nice adult life. I have a wonderful husband. I've had him for, I've had him in my life for 25 years. And um, I've been able to financially you know, do things for my mom that she was never able to do. And we had a really good time together. We we enjoyed each other's company. She was my best friend towards the end. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Now, how did you find out that you were an NPE? I'm grateful that the end of our relationship being that she passed away um, was on a high note because she deserved to have that joy in her life. Um, I don't know how I would have been able to deal with those results with her being in my life and being on earth still. Um, I think God had grace for her. I believe in God to allow her to, she passed away just before COVID. She passed away just before I took the test. And when COVID came along, (laughs) my, uh, a friend of mine, well, he's actually my ex-husband. We're still good friends. Um, he's adopted, and um, it was a, a Father's Day special that they were running, and he wanted to do a search for his birth uh, family. And I'm really into health and wellness, I guess, which has a lot to do with my bringing. I, um, I'm a massage therapist, esthetician, holistic health coach. Uh, and I really wanted to dive deeper in to see if there was any kind of genetic things that I need to be concerned with. So I didn't really think anything else beyond that. So I took the test, um, 20, um, July of 2020. And because I was home bored, I was laid off from work as a massage service, you know, can't touch people in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got the t- results and it was... <laughs> It was extremely shocking because I saw the family's name on the father's side and I just would stare at it and say, what is, what is this? I was very confused in the moment and uh, overwhelmed and I didn't understand it. Like I wasn't processing. (laughs) So I called 
22 and me. <laughs> 23 and me. 23 yeah. and me. I'm, I get a little nervous when I talk about it. So sorry. I totally <laughs> understand. It's so okay. I called them and I said, there's something wrong with the DNA test you sent me. I was like, um, my mom's side came out right, but something's wrong with the dad's side. And the guy was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, um, but it's correct. And you may want to speak to a professional mental health person concerning this. And I was actually like defensive. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, it wasn't not like processing in my brain that particular night. So within was a few hours later, I decided to Google the last name that came up. And there was a funeral a few years ago that happened where there was a lot of brothers and sisters, you know, you know, people in their seventies. And I looked among them and these people, you know, eventually led to being my aunts and uncles. I looked in the back of a crowd of people and I saw my face on a tall man. I was like, and I'm short. I was like, what in the world is happening? And I, I literally saw my eyes. I have very piercing blue eyes. And it was like looking in the mirror. I looked at him and I looked in the mirror and I was completely shocked. So I started reaching out that night, which was the, I guess there is no right way of doing this. I, at the time I didn't have any support I was grieving. My mom had died eight months beforehand. I had no one to turn to or ask or what's happening. And so I went on Facebook and I started messaging people with the last name and asking them, do you know this person? I sent a picture of my mom when she was in her early 20s, which would have been the time before she got pregnant. And they, you know, some cousins messaged back and some people didn't respond to me and probably thought I was like, you know, some kind of spammer. And then um, he responded and my half sister responded. And then eventually the half brother responded and they were like, oh, you're probably um, one of the other brother's um, daughter because our father is a very religious man. Um, he has very strong religious beliefs and convictions. Um, as far as they knew, he had never been with another woman besides their mother. And he definitely just didn't fit the characteristics of the kind of person my mom was attracted to. As dad said, my mom liked men that were just kind of wild and were fun to be around, drank too much. You know, people like men that were, I guess you would say narcissistic. Um, abusive um, men that rode, you know, motorcycles and just, you know, had a good time in life. And he was just extremely reserved and quiet. And they just told me that I had the wrong person. And so we, my half soon to be half sister and said, I'm going to help you find out which brother it is because it's definitely not my dad. And so we kind of narrowed down as far as ages and, you know, where they were in that year that I was born. And it came down to three of them. But I knew inside that her father was my dad because I looked at him and I could tell. And then she 
did a little bit more investigating and she said, please don't contact him, our dad, my dad, until I um, investigate this further. And I had already sent him that one message saying, do you know this person with the picture of my mom? And I didn't contact again after that until my intention was to wait until she told, gave me the, the green light. But he wrote back about two days after I found out, you know, that this family was related to me. He said, this was my girlfriend in high school. Um, we reconnected in the year of 71 <laughs> uh, for a brief time. Uh, and I have not seen her since. And that was when I was conceived. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he said that they did, they were intimate together and she, he knew she was involved with someone else, but that's all he knew. And then mm. I guess they had a little family meeting and my half sister and um, everyone after a couple of days of, really thinking on everything that happened and him confessing to his own children that this has got to be my daughter. We, we were rejoicing. We were like so happy. We were just excited. And it was actually a really um, exciting time to find out, wow, I look like this guy and, and this is my sister. I never had sisters. And then I found out I had another sister and two more brothers. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And they look just like me. I've never been, exposed to siblings that looked like me because all my siblings were Italian. Um, my other brothers were full Italian, but here are these people who have blonde hair and blue eyes and light skin like me. So it was, it was pretty shocking. <laughs> I felt a sense of like relief that, wow, he seems so nice and sweet and they're so kind and I can't wait to meet them. It was overwhelming. Um, of course, at the same time, it was so many con confusing feelings because I'm like, what the heck, mom? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it just, I couldn't believe my mom was known to have like the biggest mouth. <laughs> she never, she was the kind of the person that if you told her the whole town was going to know everything. She did not keep secrets very well. She was uh, a gossiper, all those things. And I was like, I, wow, like, how did this happen? He didn't seem to fit the characteristics. Well, I guess there isn't any characteristics. Let me take that back because, you know, sexual um, misconduct can happen with anybody. But I guess I just felt like this man seemed very gentle, quiet. And I was just assuming from what he told me that he was telling me the truth, that there wasn't any, like, persuasion or anything like that, that, they really did connect um, because they had been boyfriend and girlfriend in high school and they just kind of reconnected. I was believing him and I, his story kind of, it started to make sense. And I saw him in my mom's yearbook and some of the things he said, I lined it up with things that my birth certificate father said, because my birth certificate father was out to sea. So it, it was just kind of coming together in my head. Um, I decided not to tell my birth certificate father and he still doesn't know. And that's been two and a half years. <sighs> Everyone knows in your birth, uh, no, your biological father's side, your birth father's side, does his, is he still married? Does his wife know? 
So here's where it gets complicated. Everything was really going well. His, um, his wife at the time, she had suffered a couple falls. She has osteoporosis. She, from what I gather, from what I've been told, she has some mental challenges from abuse. Um, she also didn't, doesn't know who her father is, but she's older and she assumes at this point he's not on earth anymore. Um, they actually both, his wife and, and he also did a DNA test just to reconfirm everything that I had already, you know, assumed. And we all, we, you know, me and my birth father did match, match up as I assumed we would. At first, she was dealing with enough on, on her plate with her. She had a broken leg, and she was in a lot of pain. And he's her caretaker to this day. He still cares for her. He takes care of her every day. And she just didn't seem to be in the picture much. And and But I had was hearing a lot of things from my half-siblings about how they were raised. They were raised very conservative. They went to church three days a week. They all dressed the same when they went to church. They were trying to fit this image of a perfect family. And they were very involved in politics. So this image of this perfect family was always in her head because of the trauma that she suffered as a child too. And I don't fit in that picture. (laughs) No. She seemed accepting at first. And then... I guess what my half sister um, calls it. She had an episode a year ago. Um, I was on my way to do a second visit because I did go meet him and my t- two of my children with me. And um, it was a really nice meeting. I met my half siblings. It was wonderful. Um, I went a second time around Christmas last year to meet him and his wife. Um, his. <laughs> She needed a different story to help herself feel better about the situation. It was a very ugly story. Um, and he went along with it. And which has taken me a year now to try to recover from. I was, I rented a car and drove, well, I took a plane. I rented a car. I baked them um, cherry pie. I was on my way to their house. She gives me a call and says, um, your biological father told me that your mother took sexual advantage of him. They were, he, she was visiting his house and he went to go to bed. He asked her to leave, but your mother crawled in his bed and took advantage of him. <laughs> Mind you, my mom's not here to defend herself. Yep. And I was like, you know, I'm not sure why this is being brought up right now. Like this was already what over a year. Um, yeah. Over a year and a half that we had been speaking sometimes not too often. I didn't want to cross too many boundaries. I was already known in the family. I had a lot of, of the family request me on Facebook. So everybody of course was curious about, you know, the daughter <laughs> that came out of nowhere. Uh, he, did carry a lot of shame with it because of his religious convictions. Um, once I told him, which I probably, I don't, I kind of regret telling him um, that my mom was married at the time. He didn't know she was married at the time. And I believe him actually. My mom, I think lied to him that uh, she was just kind of seeing my birth certificate father where they actually were married. And when all of that came to a head last year, with him realizing, you know, that he 
basically had an affair with a married woman, he needed to place, they needed to place blame on my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my mom uh, was from a different income bracket, I guess you could say. We were what some people would have assumed to be trailer trash. Um, my mom's not, wasn't the kind of woman you'd take home to your parents. If you are a very conservative person, she, um, was very outspoken. She cursed a lot. She just, you know, she lived life the way she wanted to. She was, she was a wild card. And I actually admired a lot about that about her because I noticed I didn't have a lot of her characteristics. I'm more introverted. Um, I would like to be creative and I, there's all these things in my personality that didn't make sense to me because I didn't fit in with the rest of my family when it came to the things I enjoyed and the way I express myself and the way I, you know, don't, I, I'm not outspoken and I get nervous easily and it's quiet. And I was just like, I don't feel like I'm like anybody else, but the more I learned about my birth father, the more I learned I'm a lot like him, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was a photographer, and so was I. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's really crazy when mm. it comes to that. When you were on this on your way for this visit, um, and she, the wife of your biological father, called and told you this. I mean, well, one, she doesn't really need to tell you that. No, no, ch- right. if that were a true story, you don't normally tell the child of, right? You know, like you know, your mom took advantage of whatever story. That's not something that, that would involve you at all. If that were true. I know. How, how did that change? Well, I can only imagine. Did you still go and visit? No. Um, I was FaceTiming with them when I got the phone call. Then I FaceTimed them. She's like, you need to speak to him. And she put him on the phone and I could hear in the background saying ugly things about me saying that I was like weaseling my way into the family Mind you, I'm not trying to brag, but I don't need any financial help. I, we are pretty secure. I was help, I was trying to do things for them. I offered to help send someone to repair their kitchen um, floor. I had um, sent food to their house, presents. He never gave me ever anything. I never asked for anything. I didn't want anything. I just wanted to know who he was. Um, so she was the implication of her assuming that I wanted something was completely out of my character. Um, She also was saying that my mom, you know, was, she's a very religious person. So she was on the 700 club. She wrote books about, um, they were based Christian based books. She was saying my mom was a sinner. She was just saying all these awful things. I can barely remember what she was saying because I was an extremely, panic mode. <laughs> I was, yes. I was in the car. I started crying really bad and he was standing right there. And I was like, are you really doing this right now? Like, well, this has nothing to do with me. Like I'm not my mother. I'm a completely different person than my mom. Um, I've gone through a lot of healing to recover from everything that my mom, you know, I guess you could say she put me through. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't, I don't understand why she was bringing all of this up and just making assumptions and accusations at my mother. And especially while I'm still obviously grieving her. And I just told him, if you want nothing to do with me, 
and then just tell me now because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tolerate this. And he said, "Well, my parents were deceased when I was your age, at 50 years old, 49 at the time." And he's like, "You can why don't you just assume? You know, I I just accepted that." He's like, "Just assume I'm not here anymore. You have a dad." He's like, you have an aunt, you have people that love you. Pretty much he was just kind of pushing me aside and making it obvious he didn't want anything to do with me. And because it was upsetting his wife, he's like, you got to understand your mom was the other woman. I'm like, my mom never mentioned you. I don't think you're really that significant to her. (laughs) I was like, but I don't think my mom, she was like four foot 11. He's like six something took sexual advantage of you. I mean, if, if she did, then please tell me like, um, did this only happen? Did this happen once? Like I wanted to at least give him the benefit of the doubt that my mom crawled in his bed while he was asleep, which I don't know how, you know, that happens. But yeah. I said, so did you, I asked him specifically, I said, so when she crawled in your bed naked and it was, I felt so disgusted by even like yep. saying this stuff, yep. like who talks about this stuff? I was like, when she crawled in your bed, um, did you, proceed with what you guys were she wanted to do he's like well any man would do that i was like so it was consensual he's like uh uh and i was like um and you obviously finished the job and he's like well yeah i mean she's naked in my bed and i was like was it multiple times that you had you know this sexual did you have sexual intercourse with my mom more than once and he said uh yeah and i was like so this is consensual. So why are we talking about this? Like, why is <laughs> Yeah. And he said, well, that's when he was like, I didn't even, you know, have my parents around anymore when I was 50. So you just kind of like need to go away. <laughs> and before this, he was sending me notes saying that he thought I was beautiful and smart. And, and he asked about my kids. My kids were fa- FaceTiming with him. That's what really upset me the most, that not only was he – not causing me a lot of pain, but I allowed my, I allowed him to get to know my children. And one of my daughters looks a lot like him. And I was just like, how could you do this to your own flesh and blood and, and her children? I'm like, you were telling me to call you father. You were telling me you wanted me to be, um, be a part of the life. You would, he would do like group calls on Facebook and include me in it. And all of a sudden, when his wife said she, you know, she didn't want anything to do with me, I think she was jealous of the attention he was giving me, to be honest. Um, he changed his story up and made the accusations against my mom. Mm. And my, it's unfortunate for them. They are in their 70s that they did this because I was crying really bad. It was not driving well on the way home back to my aunt's house. And I called my husband and I was like, I need the next plane out. I need to come home like, like today, like I need to, I need to be on the next plane. So I came home immediately and it was just another trauma (laughs) and I dealt with it. And my sisters both took up for me and they were like, how can you treat her like that? She, she came along. She's never been nothing but kind and, and, generous and she never asked for anything and you guys are going to do this to her and fortunate for them as i was saying it it caused a riff um where with them <laughs> so and she the the wife 
doesn't seem to have much of a relationship with her daughters. And I think it, there's a lot of layers to that. But I do think a little bit of it is the way she's treated me. And oh. she's dealing with those consequences. My heart hurts so bad listening to how much pain you were in when they, with that, with that moment of rejection and saying, oh, you gosh. know, imagine I'm, imagine I'm deceased. Imagine I'm dead. But I, but then to hear that your half sisters were <laughs> sticking mm-hmm. up for you. I, oh yeah, they were. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, I, love I, that. I love them very much. And so I told them, I remember one of the things I said, I, I blanked out a lot of the conversation was you can't take them away from me. They're my, they're my sisters and brothers. You can't do that. So you can, you don't have to be a part of my life, but they are adults. They're in their forties. They can be a part of my life and my cousins and all they want. It has, it has nothing to do with you and you can make this choice all you want. But I, I really, you know, would like to say that this is like something you're going to have to, remember especially as you're aging that you did to me for no apparent reason and I hope you can live with that and me being the foolish person I am uh over the past year I I went to a little therapy I started getting into sound healing um I'm learning how to do Reiki so I'm I'm doing a lot of self-development but I still had resentment in my heart And, um, I reached out to him when I knew he wasn't around his wife. He was visiting with family members in October, which was 10 months later. My husband thinks I was foolish to make the phone call, but part of me also didn't want any resentment between my half siblings and their parents. And like I said, they're aging and he's a little forgetful and, and she's a mess. She's an absolute mess with her physical health. And so I have a lot of empathy and I wanted to forgive them. Um, I can imagine it was difficult for her to hear that he had, you know, been with another woman because she wasn't aware he had lied to her. And I can imagine that me coming in her world, her perfect little world that she had created for herself um, was probably just too much for her. And I called him and he, he was nice, distant. And he said, you know, we don't want any trouble. (laughs) I just kind of laughed that off. Like, are you serious? Like (laughs) 50 year old woman kind of trouble do I bring? I'm like, okay. I just wanted to hear your voice. And, and, um, just let you know that, you know, we're still here. And if you ever want to reach out, but he doesn't. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, I'm sorry. So you, <laughs> oh, so he's still, it's still cold there. It's Christmas time. <laughs> so again, being a big doormat on my forehead, I reached out this past week and um, we actually had a very good conversation. And you know what? For me, I felt like I did that because I wanted to forgive him and let go of the resentment. And I think that is what did it. And um, I told my siblings uh, that we had an, a good conversation. It went well and I forgive them. So, cause I, I just don't want them. 
I mean, he's 76 and I just don't want them to have problems. I don't really need him in my life. And that's because I have a dad and I'm really thankful for my birth certificate father. I just don't want any bad feelings because my sister had wanted me to come to her wedding and I'm not going to go. That woman does not want to see me anywhere. (laughs) She called me the curse of the family. (laughs) Oh my. Oh, that's terrible. Kimberly. She's very, she's, she's, I can see he has a type. Just put it that way. Uh, I think uh-huh. I'm not going to like um, diagnose her, but I would assume just from my own experiences with my mother that she's also bipolar. So I know she has these episodes where she forgets everything she says, that she's very verbally abusive to my sisters. And and I think she was just dragging me down into that. And I'm not going to allow that to happen again. I, I think I'll call him as long as he's still on earth um, once a year. Maybe I'll go to his funeral if... I don't know, but all I know is I feel good now and it was probably stupid for me to call them him twice, uh, but I feel like that's what I needed. And, and so I did it. And was that this week? Yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations, Kimberly. You are brave. Thank you. I feel a little foolish. <laughs> I guess brave is a good word. I'm sorry. No. Yes. Brave is a better word. <laughs> yeah. And I know from this point, if anything, uh, if they come at me like that again, it'll be my own fault for reaching out. So I take responsibility for that. But I don't think they're going to reach out. I think she just wishes they're the kind of family. I feel like they like to push everything under the rug where my family and the and the family I've, you know, kind of developed for myself because I've gone through so many years of therapy. Um, we talk things out, we air it out, we get past it. We, um, we work through things, we, um, communicate and that, that family's not used to any of that at all. She would rather pretend that I don't live than to accept me. And she sees me on like Facebook, she's on there and she'll comment on a picture of her grandkids and I comment on there too. I'm like, Oh my gosh, it looks so cute. And I know she sees me there. <laughs> yeah. So she just like, ignores my existence and that's okay. I mean, whatever she needs to do. Yep. <laughs> and so you, I understand your relationship with um, them, with your biological father and his wife. And, but it sounds like you have this, ongoing relationship with your, with their children, with their, your half sisters. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, my, one of my half sisters, she's really quiet and she's to herself a lot. Uh, we have an understanding that we accept and love each other, but we don't reach out too much. Um, I think she just likes to stick to herself. She's also a very busy nurse. She's got a lot of things going on. She's raising children. My other sister, sorry, I was almost about to say her name. My other sister, um, we are like twins. It's insane. Like she and I have so much in common. Sometimes I'm like, is she copying me or we do we have this much in common? <laughs> I think we just really are soul sisters and we were always meant to be together. I'm going home to Virginia next month and she's going to come stay in my hotel room with me and I just love her abundantly. Like, um, it, mm-hmm. and looking at, I see so much like in our features that are the same. I mean, when we're in the same room, it's like the same energy. It's, it's just insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I'm really grateful that I did gain her and the brothers, you know, they're quiet. I have so many brothers anyway. So I'm just like, (laughs) I, you know, I feel like I, through everything that we went through with the parents, I feel like there's a little bit of with the brothers, you know, do I, you know, what do I do in this situation? It's uncomfortable, but I think sisters are a little bit more, you know, understanding. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned earlier this last year, you did like all this healing, this, um, you even mentioned sound healing, which I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, the high wraith hope and healing retreats. They're for NPEs and LDAs and DCPs. We, we do like a bunch of healing throughout the weekend. And one of the retreats, (laughs) they had like a drum circle and they did some sound healing for us. And I was just like, I was like, I'll take all the healing in any form. Give it to me. (laughs) I know this year, I honestly, because it was just so much that happened with the pandemic and then, and with my mom passing and then finding out I'm an MP and then being traumatized by that. I'm just like, give me all the above, like everything to help me heal through this. (laughs) (laughs) And in turn, also my children, I don't think they were affected tremendously, but they were affected because I was affected. So they, I was pretty gloomy for quite a while. And I would definitely say that I was depressed for about a year and a half. Um, I had, you know, some anxiety things going on too. And I want them to see that, you know, when it comes to things like that, because, you know, there's so much going on right now with people dealing with their emotions um, in the spotlight. And I just want people to know that they're supported. And I wanted my kids to see that, you know, when I needed help, I reached out for the help and, and I want them to understand that they can do the same. Just come to me, talk to me if you're in pain for any reason, like we all handle things differently. Right. So I'm an um, incredibly sensitive person. So something like that definitely was almost like the emotional trauma from it was probably what I would consider like getting into a major car accident. That's how painful it is, you know? Yes. So emotional or physical trauma, you have to, you know, get help. You have, you have to get, you know, people to support you. And I'm so thankful for some of the groups I've found. They've been incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I'm so glad that you reached out to the podcast and I was able to record your story. Thank you so much oh, for thank you for being patient. I know the wait list is a bit long. Well, you know, it just goes to show how many people are going through this right now. Right. So many of us I are know. finding this out. Yes. Through, through DNA testing or, or, mm-hmm. or yes. And, and I should ask you, Kimberly, um, if people wanted to reach out to you, would you be comfortable with that? Oh yeah, definitely. What's the best way to do that? Through my email. Okay. Will you just spell that out? Sure. It's K D like dog Soto S O T O eight at gmail.com. And I will put that your email address in the show description as well. And here can be emailed. And Thank you so much for oh, sharing thank you so much. all that you, all that you did. I, it was just really nice to talk to you during the holiday season. And I know that's, that's a tough time for MPEs. So thank you so much for, for sharing today. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to share. 
these stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.